If you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn uh, to Luke's Gospel. And Luke chapter 6, I'm reading from the NIV. We're continuing a series that we're looking at together called Follow Jesus. It's a series based on Luke's account of Jesus' life. And uh, we're looking at that together. And particularly this morning... As a thought for this morning in the text that we're going to read, Luke chapter 6, verse 17 to 36, I want to take the theme of kingdom values. We're going to look at that together. The values of the kingdom. What are they? The way to live. What is life all about? Kingdom values is what I want to look at this morning. So Luke chapter 6 and verse 17, it reads like this. He, that's Jesus, went down with them and stood On a level place, a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and um, the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject you, uh, reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But then there's some woes. He balanced that then and compared and contrasted that with some woes. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Then he goes on to then expound what he's just shared about some values. These values are expressed with love. And this is what he says. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who will treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit um, is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and uh, uh, love your enemies. Do good. Do good to them, sorry. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. 
Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. In other words, be gracious because your Father is gracious. Okay. So kingdom values then. Now that's what we're going to look at for a few moments this morning. And then we're going to take communion together as we respond uh, towards the end of this morning. I think the danger for you and I as believers in the 21st century, uh, in this modern age in which we live, is that uh, we live in a world that increasingly rejects God uh, and embraces goods. We live in a world that rejects the creator, God, but embraces created things, goods, things. We live in a world that's embracing things more and more and more. We live for the moment, stuff. We reject God, but we embrace things. Uh, it's insidious. It creeps up on us. Even the most best and well-intentioned Christians, you know, we, we, would, we read our Bible from time to time, perhaps. We pray. We would say we love God, and well, no doubt that we do, and we believe that we're Christians. Our names are in the book of life, and no doubt that's true. But we live in this society, the culture, the world in which we live, that it's about stuff, it's things. And, and I've been talking about that um, for the last uh, number of weeks, and particularly in our evening meetings. And if we're not careful, we can become like our culture. We live in it. We live in our world. and We can become like our world. But Jesus says, we live in the world, but we're not to be of the world. It's interesting that Jesus said something, taught something about life. Uh, but if we're not careful, and this is the challenge that we face, particularly as this has always been around stuff, things, money, pleasure, lot getting more. That's always been around, but never have we lived in an age. We live in a consumer culture. Our society is based on consuming, buying and having things. That's what makes the world go round. And that's the society that we live in. So we're part of that, whether you like it or not. And that's, that's what we imbibe. And so there is a danger, and if we're not careful, that we will become like our culture. You know, we are not fashioned like our culture. We're called to be like Christ. We're not to be fashioned by our culture, but we are called to be like Christ. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And so this is the challenge, in a nutshell, that you and I face today. We face a big challenge, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing is too big for God. And with his grace working in our hearts, nothing is too difficult for him. But we face a challenge, not to be of this world, but to be in it. Not to be so, become like the culture, but to become like Christ. And it's that that I want you to think about this morning, because it's that challenge that we're going to try and embrace just for a few moments. We've got maybe 20 minutes to embrace that challenge in a, a talk that I'm going to share. But it's that that I want to look at for a few moments this morning. A Christian writer and speaker, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but a great writer, a man called A.W. Tozer, coined this phrase. He wrote an, an excellent book called The Pursuit of God, where he speaks about people who have followed Jesus. And he said this, nearness is likeness. It's a phrase that I wrote down and kept for a long, long time. And it, it comes up again in my life again and again. Nearness is likeness. Whatever you get near to, close to, whatever you treasure in your heart. Jesus spoke a lot about our hearts. What we hold dear, you become like. You become like. Whatever you treasure, whatever you get close to, whatever you imbibe. And so there's a word there for our culture. There's a word for modern Christians. There's a word for you and I today. Nearness can become likeness. And so if we imbibe the culture which we're in, and there's nothing wrong in having things. There's nothing wrong in buying things. It's what possesses us. It's what we spend our time doing. It's where we spend our time. What has your heart? In a nutshell, 
What really captivates and captures your heart? That's what you'll become really close to. That's what you're near to. And so if it's the world, if it's things, if it's goods, then that's what we will become like. And I will say I'm a Christian, and I will speak, and I'll read the Bible, but if my heart is in goods and things, that's what will captivate me, and that's the culture that I embrace. But if my heart is close to Jesus Christ, this is why when Ben, I was saying, yeah, every day it's Jesus. Every week it's Jesus. The, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony to Jesus. The word of God, the Bible, all points towards Jesus. It's all about Jesus. There's lots of songs today that's all about Jesus. And so he's the one that should be the one that captivates our heart. And if we can get close to him, then we will become like him. Hence, that is why at the beginning of this year, I said one of my, my I felt that God speak to my own heart and was that uh, encouraged, my, my encouragement was that I want to be closer to Jesus this year than I was last year. And I desired to follow him. And there, that's why we're looking at Luke's gospel. Follow Jesus is the series. Because Luke shares Jesus again and again and again. And it's as if Jesus is standing here. Now we know by faith, Jesus is here because he's alive. And by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'll send the comforter, the helper. He will be with you. He will bear testimony to me. He points to me. He is pointing to me. And so by the person of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is alive, he's here. And we, we understand and know that. But also, if we can hear the things that Jesus said, if we can see the type of life that Jesus lived, and Luke, we've been looking at this, portrays and gives you the life of Jesus. And now this morning, we're going to look at things that Jesus actually said. I don't know which version of the Bible you've got, but um, I have an NIV version that has the, the words of Jesus in red. It's got a red letter edition of the Bible. It's interesting. It's very interesting. If you look at the New Testament and you look at the Gospels and you look at other parts of it and you see the words that Jesus actually spoke and Luke. Uh, and, and so now we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus actually said. They came from his heart. And so we can actually get close and find the heart of Jesus Christ. It's amazing as we look at this in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 6 and verse 20. So in my uh, translation that I have in front of me, from verse 20 down to um, verse 36. The letters are in red. These are the words that Jesus shared. It's great. And uh, we're going to look at that together. So, in this account, Jesus shares a message. He shares a sermon. It's in the other Gospels. In Matthew's Gospel, it seems to be a lot longer. Uh, He says similar things. uh, And Matthew... um, picks up on certain things. Luke picks up on other things. And we're looking at Luke at the moment. So we're looking at the things that Luke picks up upon. And uh, in uh, verse 20 onwards, Jesus shares a message. And when he shares this message after coming down from a mountain to pray, he picks his disciples after a time of prayer. And when he picks his disciples and people are coming to him and they're being healed, they're being touched, their lives are being changed. It's interesting it comes after a time of prayer. He then shares a message as well. He speaks He works, he touches their lives, and then he speaks. The word speaks to our lives as well. And in this message that he shares, it it, it like bursts onto the scene. Because the message that he shares in blessings and woes um, is a message that really is a clash of kingdoms. The things that he says are uh, uh, to turn the world upside down. To, to you and I, we, we just casually, you might read over it and read the blessings and then read the woes and think, what's all that on about? And, oh, that's nice. And it talks about blessing the poor and... But the things that he began to share, they were incredibly radical at the time. And they really compare and contrast the values of God's kingdom with the values of this world. 
the blessings are the values of God's kingdom, and the woes that he shares there are the values of this world. And what Jesus does, he bursts onto the scene, and he shares the heart of God's kingdom with the kingdom of this world. And Jesus compares and contrasts them, and they just do not add up together. The kingdom of God turns everything upside down. And so there's a clash of kingdoms. And so that's what I want to speak about this morning, kingdom values. Because values are so important, they will set the course of our our lives. And so Jesus there speaks about um, certain blessings and certain woes. The blessings there really means uh, the experience of God's presence. To be blessed there, the blessings, blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who are hunger, blessed are you when people hate you. Um, blessed are you. The, the blessings there really speak of this. It, the word blessing literally means to know the presence of God. The blessing is not knowledge, experience of the presence of God in your life. To be blessed is to know God in your life, to experience God in your life. The good things of God, his care, his concern, his compassion, his forgiveness, his provision, his presence, his healing, his touch. That's the presence of God. To know the presence of God. As Jesus says, you will be blessed. You will know, the, you will have a knowledge, an experience of the presence of God. If, and then he gives these various blessings. He contrasts that with the woes. And they are called woes because these is, is now the absence of God. If the blessings are blessings because it shows the presence of God, the woes are woe is me because of the absence of God. It's where God will not be. You will not experience the love, the forgiveness, the hope, the purpose, the sense of God in our lives. He contrasts the kingdom of heaven, whereby we will know the presence of God, and the kingdom and values of this world, whereby we will know the absence of God. That's why it's woe to me. Because you will not know God in your life. Oh, you might think, you might talk, you might sound good, You might even say, I know something about God, but you will not experience the true hope, love, and forgiveness in the depth of our hearts. So this is why he says there are blessings and there are woes. And it's the values of the kingdom with the values of this world. The values of the kingdom give the presence of God and show the presence of God in our life. The values of this world show the absence of God. I don't know what about you, but for me, I want to know the presence of God in my life. I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. I want to follow Jesus. And this is what we're looking at as a church. So we can live lives passionately for him. Values are so important. It's not what we do, it's who you are. Politicians will say, it doesn't matter what I do in my private life. It's how I do my job. It's what I do. As long as I do it okay, it doesn't matter how I live. That's basically what they're saying, isn't it? You know, what I do in private life. In France, they have certain privacy laws. So the French president can take to court papers that say certain things about his private life. Francois Hollande got found out about certain things. And as long as you do the presidency, it doesn't matter what you do in your private life. It's my private life. But in the kingdom of God, it's not what we do, but it's who you are that counts. You see, the thing is, and this is very interesting, and this is why Jesus shares values, values of the kingdom, values of this world. The values of our world are outside in. The, king, the values of the kingdom are inside out. You see, with God, it's our heart that counts. It's who you are, not what you do. That's good news, because I sometimes feel I'm not very good at what I do. 
But God looks at my heart and says, he loves me, he loves you. So it's not what we do, it's who we are. And so values, who you are, the values that you have, the beliefs that lead to your life, these are so important. This is incredibly important. Now, we live in an age that says, well, it's chopping and changing. It's all relative. If it's okay this week, it's not okay next week. Values are fluid. But God sets up the kingdom of God, and it comes towards and in our hearts. So this is what Jesus is sharing. Now, I'm taking a bit of time because this is the background to what he shares. And and Matthew opens it up. In Matthew chapter 5, he goes into a bit more detail on similar things that that Luke uh, accounts for here. You see, God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outside. If you ever read 1 Samuel, you'll see the prophet Samuel looking to pick the next king. And uh, he looks at a family of young men as they come before him. And God says, not that one. And this young man looks strapping and strong and he's tall. Not that one. Until he comes to a young man called David who is out looking after sheep. And he's the youngest of his family. And he's probably the, the, the least effective of the family looking after sheep. And God says, he's the one. Choose him. He's the king. And then God says, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. It's interesting that King David, if you read and know about the King David, a great king of Old Testament, says he was a man after God's own heart. So it's very important. So I'm building a case for values. That's what I'm saying for a moment here. God looks at the heart. He is not taken about how you look like. He is not. You, we cannot confuse God with a good talk. I might talk good might look good or not look good. I don't know what you think. But um, God's looking at me in here. And he sees you here. That's what's important in the kingdom of God. Values. So, so values are important. You know, what we treasure, that's what we value. Jesus says a lot about where you tre- what you treasure, who you treasure, what you treasure. What is your treasure? Jesus says, there your heart is. Jesus spoke a lot about the heart, the treasure, values, where your heart is. Again and again, Jesus spoke like this. And so it's interesting, values, what we value, what we treasure. What we treasure becomes what we value. That's where my heart is. And what I value, that's who I become. Values shape your destiny. Lots of people want to progress, do well, be successful in life. Have a great future. Our destiny. Values shape your and my destiny. So if we can adopt kingdom values, we live for Jesus Christ, follow Jesus, we adopt kingdom values, that will shape our destiny. Our destiny will be shaped by the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the love of God in our hearts and lives. Not shaped by the kingdom of this world, the values of this world. Now, the thing is, Okay, well, right, let's just um, stop there for a second. I'll get carried away. So I want to ask you this question. Who or what has your heart today? Who has your heart today? And you say, don't be stupid, Adrian. I'm sitting here. I'm in church. I'm hearing you babble on. I'm here today because I'm a Christian. That's who has my heart. No. No. Not for you to say to me, but before God. You and I will answer before God. God sees all. Who has your heart today? I'm not about yesterday. Who has your heart? Who or what has your heart today? Uh, That's vitally important. That shapes your destiny. That's why I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be where my heart to be where he is. And uh, that's my desire, to live for the kingdom of God. A man called C.S. Lewis said this. 
great Christian writer, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia that became a, a Disney Hollywood film. And um, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, and it was, it's been on telly. But C.S. Lewis um, wrote that. So he's a great novelist and Christian thinker, brilliant man. Wrote an excellent book called The Screwtape Letters, which is worth a read. Uh, a lesser demon to a, to a ruling demon about the strategies of evil. Fantastic book. But C.S. Lewis said this about values. Education without values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. Education without values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. In other words, he's saying that we've got to get our values, we've got to get our heart right. We can know stuff, we can do stuff, but our heart has to be founded on the principles of the kingdom of God. So what we believe, in other words, determines how we behave. And how we behave determines our destiny. Oh, I could have said that all right at the very beginning, couldn't I? I've saved us all about 15 minutes. You don't look very convinced. What we believe determines how I behave. I mean, psychologists observe that. They just look at people and say, oh, what they're thinking, that's how they're acting. And then they make a big thesis about that and think, how clever are they? But it's true. It's just it's as simple as that. So to have kingdom values, kingdom beliefs, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and God raised him from the dead and he's coming back again. I'm going to live for him. It begins to determine the way I behave. Live for Jesus. Kingdom values, kingdom belief. So vitally important this morning. So, each of the blessings that are mentioned before us this morning, that are mentioned there, um, they're not to be taken just separately on their own as something that we have to do. This is a task for me. Blessing number one, blessed are the poor, yours is the kingdom of God. Now, I, well, I need to be poor. I need to, get, I need to be, make myself poorer, so then I'll be blessed. Uh, blessing number two, uh, you need, we need to be hungry, so I need, well, I need to cut down on food and uh, eat, eat a lot, a lot less because I'll be closer to God. These are, these are not individual items or tasks or things that I have to do. Uh, what, what Jesus is doing there, he's, he's sharing more, of, uh, and we'll look at this now, a value for life. And each one of those blessings and each one of those woes are really all linked together. They're basically saying the same thing. He's building up a case with each one of them. As he says each one, they're saying one thing about living for God, the blessings, knowing his presence. And the woes are saying when we live for ourselves, each of those woes about um, being fully fed, living lives without a care in the world, each one of those leads to not having the presence of God. They're one thing that he's saying. He's comparing and contrasting them. So each blessing is linked and builds upon the other. So basically, you could read it like this, rather than item number one. All as one. You could read it like this. Blessed are you who are poor, hungry now, and weep now. All as one thing. He's saying the same thing, really. Blessed are you who are poor, hungry now, and weep now. Why? For yours is the kingdom of God. You'll be satisfied and you will laugh. One thing, you'll know the presence of Jesus. And then he contrasts and compares that with the woe. And the woes could be taken as just one thing, saying the same thing, rather than lots of individual things. Woe to you who are rich now, who are well fed and laugh now. Why? For you have already received your comfort. You will go hungry and you will mourn and weep. 
they're to be taken together. And what he's basically doing, he's comparing and contrasting the blessings, the presence of God, with the woe, the absence of God. And the attitude of heart or values or beliefs that go with living a life that receives the presence and living a life that sees the absence of God in our lives. It could be taken like this. Those that possess the heart that is humble, looks to God, relies on God, poor. So where he says there, those that are poor, in Matthew, talks about being poor in spirit. So when he speaks about being poor there, really it speaks about being spiritually humble, relying on God, not self-reliant. That's what he's basically saying. Blessed are you when you're poor. Not necessarily does it mean that you have to be absolutely destitute, although you might be. He's talking about spiritually a sense of poor. The idea there is this idea of being humble, looking to God, relying upon him. So you could say this. Blessed are those who possess a heart that is humble, looks to God, relies on God, that is hungry for his will and his way, sees the world through Jesus' eyes. That's the blessing. How do I get to that, you say? Well, blessed are those that are poor. The idea there is this idea of humility, looking to God, relying on God. Blessed are those that hunger. The idea there is a hunger for God, a hunger for his way, a spiritual sense of hunger for God. Blessed are those that weep. This is an idea that we see with the eyes of God. You know when somebody says, oh, that makes me weep. That could make you weep when you see something on telly and you see, well, those poor children, that could make me weep. And that's basically what Jesus is saying. So the heart attitude, the values there, you could read it like this, as I've just said. Blessed are those that possess hearts that are humble, look to God, rely upon God. That's being poor. That are hunger for his will and his way. That's spiritual hunger. That see the world through Jesus' eyes. That's weep. And so if you're a person that can come to God and say, I need you, God. It's a reliance on God. That's humility that is hungry for him, to live for him, and that can see the world through Jesus' eyes, will know the presence of God. Now, that's the blessing of the presence of God. That's the value. That's the attitude that Jesus is looking for. Now, we contrast that with the woes. And the woes say the same thing, but as a negative. So he's saying the same thing, but now as a negative. So this time, you could put it this way. So where it says they're rich, well-fed, and laughing, you could put it like this. Woe to those that possess, their hearts possess, that they, they look and live for things in the here and now. That live without God, are self-satisfied and proud. That they live with not a care in the world, living for themselves, wrapped up in their own pleasure and leisure. When Jesus, so when Jesus says, woe to those that are rich, you've got everything now. If you're well fed, that's as far as it goes. And those that laugh, it's going to come to an end. He's basically saying, woe to you, because you think you're rich, but you're living for things in the here and now. But that's as, as far as it gets. You think that you're well fed. There's living without a care in the world. There's no spiritual hunger. There isn't a care in the world. I've got everything. I've got it myself. I don't, what do I need God for? There's that sort of uh, consumer society attitude. Uh, the idea of laughing there, God isn't a killjoy. It's, it's this idea of those that laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Today is my day. I'll do what I like. Uh, more, people, more people on a Sunday would go to do DIY or do what they want to do for themselves. Um, this idea of living for self, wrapped up in our leisure and pleasure. 
rich, fed, love. So basically, they're values. They're actual values. When you look in Matthew and what Matthew has to say, you see how it balances out. And so the values of the kingdom are starkly in contrast with the values of this world. Now, the big challenge, as I come to a conclusion, we're going to take communion together today. So Jesus shares these values of the kingdom, what you believe, where's your heart, what possesses your heart. So if we live a heart that says, God, I need you, that's humility. Or do we have a heart that says, I live for myself, that's self-reliance. And our consumer age says, we make it, I buy it, it's my job, I'll do it. It's a very self-reliant age in which I live. And Jesus was speaking into an ancient world, but it was just similar atmosphere in the culture of the age. So Jesus contrasts, therefore, the two different ways of values and living for God or not living for him. So there's a big challenge. Culture or Christ? It's as simple as that for you and I today. Culture or Christ? Are we fashioned by that which is around us? Are we formed by Christ? Now, I shared something. I, I've been looking at a series. In the, now, so concerned have I been with my own heart and the culture that I imbibe that I began to, to dig again, dig a fresh well in God for my own life. And I began to have a fresh revelation of the Scriptures. I began to have a fresh revelation of Jesus. And it's it done my heart good. And doing my heart good at the moment, having the Word of God dwelling in my heart richly. And I became concerned because culture... And that which I imbibe was beginning to, I, I, I began concerned because it was encroaching on my values of life. And I thought, I need you more, Jesus. So hence, we're looking at Follow Jesus this year. But uh, I, I've been sharing in the evening meetings, not every evening, but a number of evenings, like, like uh, a series called Soul Detox, which is looking at how I can get back to following Christ, look at the toxins of modern life and deal with them so that I can follow Christ purely and, fo- and follow him. And I've been looking at that. And I shared, I've shared, I'm going to share something that I shared, uh, I think, last Sunday night when I looked at the theme of being consumed or a consumer. And um, in our house, we've got, this is the culture that we live. It's intoxicating. And we don't realize as Christians how it affects the way which we think. Because you think to yourself, yeah, you're all right, Adrian, but that's not me. I'm, I'm following God. Listen to this. In our house, it's intoxicating and the life in which we live Stuff, things, goods, lot, you know, it's not wrong having them, but it sucks us in. The culture of our age sort of sucks us in. So in our house, we, we're getting some ants that have been coming into our house. And, um, you know, if you think this is cruel now, put your fingers in your ears. But um, I've had to get rid of them. And so what I've done to get rid of them is I, I found some, uh, there's this um, ant bait, apparently. And you get these like little trays and the ant, there's ant bait in these little trays, and if you can't find out where the ants are coming from, you put this stuff down in certain places, and the ants are attracted to the bait that's in the little tray because it tastes sweet, and it attracts them. And they come, the worker ants apparently come, they're attracted to this stuff, they go inside, take some, and gradually take it back to the nest, and eventually everybody begins to, everybody, all the other little ants, <laughs> eat this stuff as it's passed on, and the toxin builds up in their system, and the colony are no more. I know. It's a, it's a balance to what do I live with in my house? Do, I have, 
the whole household running around, oh, there's an ant there, oh, there's an ant, or, you know, so it's a bit like that in my house at the moment. So anyway, now, but I, I really thought about this, sometimes you do, and I thought, you know, that's a bit like life, all we little workers buzzing around. You know, we eat the stuff, the values of this age, little by little, it's toxic, it's not wrong to have things, the values of our age. But we bring it back. It's, into, it's sweet. It tastes good. And it's not wrong to have stuff. I'm not... But it grabs your heart. And it comes into our attitudes. And so we have consumer Pentecostals, consumer Baptists, consumer Anglicans. Let's do them all. Consumer Catholics. You know, so we're, we're, we're fair to everybody. Consu- you know, consumer atheists. You know, consu- consumer whatever you want to call it. I don't know. But it, 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 we take it back to the nest. We take it back to our hearts. And you know what it does? It kills off the Spirit of God. It kills off something. We, be, we settle for something that's not. It's not what God wants. Is it culture or is it Christ? I asked myself this morning. Who do you choose? Choose this day whom we serve. Will it be God or man? Culture or Christ? Who do you choose this morning? Who or what has your heart this morning? Where are your values? And so Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commands? What are the greatest things that I should do? Keeping it so simple, he says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your soul. And then everyone around you, love them as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Simple, that's it. That's all we've got to do in life. And so we haven't got to do anything to embrace the culture of the kingdom All we've got to do is love Jesus, love him with all of our hearts and give him our heart and give him our lives. But that's every day. But that's every day. The heart of the kingdom. Now, I found that we receive that by giving God our hearts and our lives this morning. And I found that I may know the presence of Jesus as I give him my heart each and every day. It's an intention. So Jesus says, come and follow me. So how do we follow him? Well, we're looking at that, aren't we? That's why we're looking at Luke's gospel together. We're building up a case to follow and live for Jesus. So that's why we're doing this. But you know, I worship, I sing, I know the presence of God, I feel his love. I read his word. I read his word. I read his word every day. Every day. Try and read something every day. Get close to Jesus. In Luke, we find that Luke shares Jesus, only Jesus. Everything we're called to is follow just Jesus. It's amazing. Lots of us want heaven to touch earth. We we all pray. We pray the, the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lots of messages about heaven touching earth. Already has. It already has. The kingdom has come. Yet to be fully fulfilled, I know when Jesus comes again, final confirmation. But the kingdom of God comes in our hearts. Heaven touches earth when we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Heaven touches earth when we have the values of the kingdom within my heart and we just love God. So when Jesus says, pray, thy kingdom come, the kingdom is the values of the kingdom. It's the king himself within our hearts. As we live for him and we say, Jesus, this is my life. Take my heart. I want my heart to be focused on you. I can tell you now, if you hardly, and this isn't a condemnation, please hear my heart, but if you never, and this isn't aimed at anyone, but I just know from my own experience, if we really read our Bible, 
You won't have the values of the kingdom, no matter how many experiences of the Holy Spirit you've had. That might wind up some people, but I don't care. Because it's true. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. An experience of Jesus' love and the reading of his love, the two go hand in hand. And so this morning as we come, let's give our hearts afresh to him. Where our hearts are, that's where our treasure is. Every day, intentionally embracing the value of the kingdom. Let's pray. Bless you. The good news is, when we come and say, God, I need you. I'm not relying on myself. I'm hungry for you. I want to see the world as you see it. What does it say? We'll be blessed. We'll know his presence. And this morning, all we've got to do is say, God, I need you. I'm hungry for you. Here's my heart. Let me see what you see. Let's pray. We're going to take communion together this morning as well. I believe there's a response in my heart this morning. I want us to be able to respond with something this morning as we come. And so we're going to do that as we take communion. And this morning we're going to take communion. We say that this is an open table. We're going to take the bread, which is the body of Christ. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. Jesus dies in our place. He said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until I see you again. And he's coming back. So Jesus died in our place. His body was broken. His blood was poured out. And then he rose from the dead. And he said, if you believe in me, if you repent and you believe in me, you shall be raised too. And so we take the bread, which is the body of Christ, represented the body of Christ, the cup, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can intentionally come and say, I give you my life afresh. If Jesus could give his life for us, can we give our hearts to him? And so this morning, the invitation is, we're going to say to you, come row by row to the front and take the bread and take the cup. And as you do, as you do prayerfully, as we get our hearts ready, say, Jesus, if you give your life for me, then this morning I intentionally give my heart for you. Should we just pray together? Lord Jesus, the values of the kingdom. I thank you so much. It's not something I have to strive and do. I have to get and start practicing. These things just happen naturally. They come out of love. When I love you, I'm not going to break into the song and you love me. My heart seems to be captured by you. And this morning we say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, if I've grown a bit cold. If the culture in which I live has captured my heart more than Christ. I say I'm sorry. I repent. If I've been living for me, if I've been living for stuff, if my attitude has been, what about me and what about this? I just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I repent. I want to live for you. If I'm making plans and I haven't sought you, I say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. If I've been self-centered, self-reliant, I just say, Lord, I want to rely on you. I want to live my life loving and following you, living by the values of the kingdom, relying on you, hungry for you, weeping, seeing the world with your eyes. Forgive me when I've been untouched by the person beside me or behind me. I've I've, I've not even observed or even known that someone in my church was hurting about such and such. I don't even know much about their lives. Forgive me. I don't know too much about that neighbor or that person down the street. I hardly know much about them. Forgive me if I'm so taken up with other things. I I want to be able to weep. I want to be able to see the world as you see it, Jesus. 
because I'll be blessed. I will know your presence. And it's you whom we embrace and love this morning, Father. And as we take this cup and take this bread, we say thank you. Thank you for giving your life to set us free. And in return, I say, I'm now going to give you my life. Now, if you're here this morning, you read the Bible, you say prayers, you come in in the church, you're here. That's good, but that doesn't make you a Christian. That's good. That's amazing. That's great. I commend you for that. But a Christian is someone who says to God, forgive me for living for myself. It's to repent, living without you. Forgive me for that. I want to live for you, God. I believe and thank Jesus for dying in my place, becoming my sin. Now I want to live for you. Will you forgive me? I want to live for Jesus Christ. Make him the Lord and master of my life. And as we come this morning, that's what makes you a Christian. That's what writes your name in the book of life. And this morning, Jesus says, I love you. Come to me. Maybe we're here this morning as a Christian, I've grown a bit cold. Maybe life has overtaken me. Maybe I'm worried about something. Maybe work has become so busy. Maybe, I don't know, there's lots of things that can come in the way. Maybe I've just got bored. Dare I say it, we can get bored as Christians. Repent. Forgive me, Jesus. I want to live for you afresh. I want to follow you. Here's my heart. For some of us, our reading of the word of God has become boring. For some of us, we hardly ever read it. God doesn't chastise you for that, but he just gives a love invitation and says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it become alive. And I pray this morning that as you read the Bible, as you begin to determine to read it, perhaps every day for the first time, that it jumps out the page and becomes alive to you. Find a translation that suits you. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I want to live for you. So I open up my heart to your love and I open up my heart to your forgiveness and I give my life to you afresh. In your mighty name I pray. Let's stand together, shall we? I'm going to ask you to come forward row by row from the front to the back and come and take the bread and take the cup. And as you do, you're saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me. You live for me, I now want to live for you. And you're going to take the bread and take the cup and take it there as you come forward. The worship team are going to lead us. We're going to begin to sing together as well. Just break a piece of bread off, take the cup and come forward row by row. And you're acting out. You're saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I give you my heart. I want to live for you. We're going to act out what we've heard this morning as we embrace the valleys of the kingdom. We embrace the king of the valleys of the kingdom, namely Jesus Christ. We're going to give him our hearts. Let's do that together, shall we? Row by row. God bless you. I want to say this uh, to us all. It's time to take a fresh plunge. I feel I need to say that. Um, If I make myself a bit vulnerable in a way, as I've I've said, I've been very open about this and said this on a number of occasions. Towards the the end of last year, November of last year, I felt like giving up. After 20-something years of Christian ministry, some things had come my way and I thought, maybe I've just not cut out for this anymore maybe I'm just not good enough maybe and loads of stuff went through my mind shaken by different things and as I read as I read the word of God an amazing thing happened I felt the Holy Spirit say to me as I read the word of God dig a fresh well take a fresh plunge I suppose I not long reached 50 sometimes people say there's a midlife crisis I don't think I was going through a midlife crisis I don't believe in 
I don't happen to believe in them. Anyway, there you go. And, uh, but, uh, so I did, and I began to read the Word of God, and I started uh, reading it with fresh light and fresh hope. Amazing thing. I took a plunge, and it's all become new. Everything's new. I have a fresh sense. I've, I, it, I'm starting out again. I feel as if I'm starting out again as a Christian. Not like, I've, I know a lot. I know a lot of stuff. I'm not all knowledge. But I feel this new vibrancy, new life. I'm not shaken by things. I get upset by things. But they don't shake me like they had been shaking me. I have this new sense of confidence that God can do it. I don't know. It's just the word of God. The word of Christ wants to dwell in us richly. And I feel as if I've taken a plunge again. You know when you first become a Christian and you think, I'm going to trust him. I'm just going to do this. And I did that back in November. I did something. That I, and, I've st- and each day, I'm doing something fresh as I read the Word of God, as I pray, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. And I feel for us, and I feel for you right now, it's time to take a fresh plunge. The Word of God, let it dwell. I pray that it becomes alive to you. I pray that as you read, as you intentionally seek to follow, and this is what it's about. So when we say, I'm giving you my heart, it's a fresh plunge. It's a fresh jump into the arms of Jesus and for a number of us probably quite a number of us it's time for a flesh, flesh a fresh plunge and my prayer is for you is that all I have is yours that, that we say that's our prayer this morning so this morning be blessed I pray Father God blessing over your people I thank God for the people that are here today maybe some that couldn't make it I thank God for open hearts that are here for open minds, open spirits for people, I pray as people seek to read your word that you jump out the page and become alive that as people seek to take a fresh plunge in you that that you become alive in them that you begin to speak to hearts, minds and lives and families and couples and individuals that something fresh happens in all of our hearts and that a fresh well is opened up the well of your love, the well of your presence in Jesus' wonderful, amazing and good and glorious name we pray. Amen.